Hi, I'm Stuart Whiting and welcome to Recovery His Way on the campus of His Way in Huntsville, Alabama. I'm here with the director, Tom Reynolds, again. Hi, Tom. Good to be with you, Stuart. So today we're going to talk about the residence experience and, you know, why the program is set up the way it is. So let's start with uh, how do residents find His Way or how does His Way find potential residents? Right. Well, it comes in a lot of different fashions and it's probably evolved over time as well. But um, obviously word of mouth is a big part of it. Family members, that type of thing. I mean, we're pretty strongly connected with churches and the reality is a lot of Christian families have somebody who's struggling with substance abuse. So it exists right in the churches. So it's not hard to connect with people who are struggling. Um, One of the things that, you know, so word of mouth is a big part of it. And obviously the addiction community is a very tight knit community. So they quickly learn from each other where they're going for help and that type of thing. So that's one way. One of the big ways that we do also is we're connected to the justice system. So we communicate with the jails and to judges and probation officers who will either furlough people here or release them on probation to us and those kind of things. And so that becomes a strong connection as well. So we meet guys through a lot of different avenues. So if someone's in the justice system, it's not that we're in a- a specific facility that is a part of that, but uh, maybe as part of their probation or their furlough, they know we're a good spot to be. And as long as we're reporting, keeping up with them, then um, that's a better avenue than maybe jail time at this point, right? Sure. I mean, there's a lot of the jails are packed full and overflowing. So alternative sentencing is a big issue with the justice system right now. So trying to find a place where people can really get help instead of just getting the, the t- typical cycle of just, um, criminal behavior and that kind of stuff that kind of tends to foment in jails. It kind of helps break that cycle. And so seen a lot of success. We built a good relationship because we have a great staff of people and we've been very responsive to the justice system in terms of communicating to judges and taking, we take the guys back and forth to court and we'll be there with them. Um, not really as an attorney, but certainly representing them in terms of representing their progress in the program and what they're doing with us. So um, we've been very proactive in that and communicating on a regular basis with the justice system. So it's been a really strong relationship for us. You know, I've heard that the judges have commented that his way is always going to have someone there with their, you know, with their guy that has a court date and what a strong statement that makes about supporting. And, and, you know, other facilities may not have that, that capability in their staffing. And we have a team of, of retirees mostly who are court ambassadors who will come and take a guy and spend several hours in the court system. So um, just there's a lot going on with these guys and it's really good to be able to support them in many ways. And their legal issues are big. I mean, it's obviously if any one of us could imagine having to go to court and your life's hanging in the balance, it's a very tense and uh, significant time. And I think through the whole journey, being alongside somebody, you know, walking through their life with them, helping them process what they're going through um, learning how to interact with the court system in healthier ways and the judicial system is a part of what we want to do. So we want to be engaged and mentor them through every aspect of life. So being there during this time is important. Yeah, I, I imagine many people like I did several years ago probably would have thought that the drug addict just needs to deal with their drug addiction. Right. But really, there's a myriad of, of issues that are probably as important or more important than just the addiction. Correct. Is that fair to say? Right. Yeah, and I think... You know, one of the things I say to families every time we meet, when we have family meetings, is, um, you know, substance abuse isn't the problem. It's just the bad answer to the problem. The problems have existed long before drug abuse became a part of it. And drug abuse has just been a person's attempt to try to 
um, manage that or cope with it. And obviously it's a failed process. And so as we help them eliminate that answer and not turn that answer, we have to help them build a whole new um, armament of answers and coping techniques. And, you know, being in the court system with them is a part of that. So uh, let's kind of talk about the idea of, of a resident. And what would you say is a typical resident that comes to his way? Well, we're a men's facility, so I'm, it's a man. Um, it's a man. <laughs> the one thing you'd say for right, sure. Right, right, right. Outside of that, it's fairly diverse. Um, you know, we've had everyone, everything from, you know, 19-year-old guys to 70-some-year-old guys in our program. Um, so the age range is diverse. You know, I think typically people think of kind of a young person, drug addict, junkie kind of thing. Um, but that's not the whole story. There's We have guys here who are husbands and kids and we've had you know we have a guy here right now who is city planner for a you know local municipality um we have people who have been in political office we've had people who are um, been in ministry we've had people um from a lot of walks of life as well as obviously the the street life and you know those who have dealt drugs or been in that kind of environment a lot from the inner city obviously and just the culture unfortunately that gets developed there a lot of times where success looks like having lots of money and the easy way to do that selling drugs or being in that in that kind of environment so um, we get a I think a diverse group we've had a lot of people come from outside of the North Alabama area you know just people you meet and people you know and word of mouth and that type of thing we've had people from all over the country come um, to participate in our program. So when you think about what the His Way program is and trying to serve a diverse range of, of individuals, um, let's kind of talk through what it's like for those residents coming in and, and some of the key things you're addressing with the way that the program's set up. Right. Well, obviously, as I've mentioned before, we're a Christ Center program. So one of the things that becomes integral to everything is explaining a biblical Christ-centered perspective in everything we're doing, um, whether it's how we eat and how we interact with each other, how we what we decide to watch on TV, um, everything comes part of that. Um, but I think one of the things that is important is one of them for sure is structure. Um, most people, most guys certainly in, in, in addiction, don't have any structure to their lives in many cases have never had structure in their lives so helping them develop structure is really important to the program so we have a very strict schedule in terms of when you come here what you do and how you do it we start serving breakfast at 4 30 in the morning till 6 30 so we do it that early because there are guys who get have jobs and they have to leave that early but um, we want everybody up by 6 30 we have a devotional at seven o'clock um, just to start the day with a spiritual focus um, and the fellowship that comes with that. Um, we try to make that devotional time fun as well as, um, you know, spiritual interacting. So we do a number of things during devotional. One, I always do this trivia game that we have. You love your we, trivia. Right. I love trivia. And, you know, a guy found a little trivia thing one time at one of our thrift stores and gave it to me. And I've been using it ever since. Um, and the guys enjoy it. It's always a good way to get a laugh and, you know, kind of cut up for a few minutes and kind of just get the juices going for the day. Because I think sometimes people think Christianity is about being serious and, you know, spiritual and all that kind of stuff. So being able to laugh and enjoy that support and part of, of our day getting started. One of the things I've heard from a number of residents over the years is the surprise they have at finding joy and having fun 
without substance abuse, without drinking, you know, being around right. in kind of a wholesome environment, which we would just take for granted maybe if we haven't been on the other side, but their experience for so long has been tied to that uh, substance abuse. They can't, you know, really haven't experienced the other. Right. One of the great normal. fears of anybody looking to live a sober life is it's going to be a boring life. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's their big fear because most addicts have a level of, of adrenaline in their life that they like the exciting things. They like fast things. They like um, immediate gratification, a lot of those kind of things that are very impulsive. And so there's a high energy level. And so the idea that they're going to have to you know, have this boring, dry, mundane life in sobriety is daunting to them because it doesn't look attainable. And so when they experience things like trivia, devotional and laughing and cutting up and poking fun at each other a little bit, it becomes a great way of letting them know that, you know, they can have fun and enjoy the sober life. So this first 30 days, what we call phase one, is really intensive on the classroom setting. So let's walk through what kinds of classes um, they're going to be exposed right. to. Well, as I mentioned, we have a devotional. So, a, you know, that's at seven o'clock, we have the Bible and read the Bible. We always have a prayer time in which guys can share openly about the struggles and the concerns they have. One of the things I hear a lot from our residents is, virtually every time we start something, we open it up with prayer. We ask for prayer needs and that type of thing. And the guys really talk about how, one, learning how to be open with what's going on in their lives is important. They learn about each other a lot that way because they hear, you know, different guys are going through different things. We used to, there was a young man here whose mother had cancer. And I mean, we prayed every morning, you know, for her cancer and her, you know, treatment. I mean, he, we'd know whether it was treatment day or what day it was. And, you know, everybody became passionate about her journey and in, in, with cancer. And so it really builds a camaraderie when we have that kind of prayer time. Um, after that, we take a break and then at eight o'clock, they come back for Bible class. And again, we start things sharp. You know, we're at eight o'clock. If you walk in at 801, you are late and you'll be disciplined for being late because I think it's important to develop that structure and develop respect for time frames and other people's time and that kind of thing. And so, um, and I think it builds a sense of confidence and assurance, you know, that that I'm somebody who's, you know, can be on time, who's engaged, who can do those things is, is a confident builder. Obviously, if you're gonna be successful in life, you'll be on time to work, be on time to your dental appointment, be on time to all these other things. So you need to learn what that looks like. So I t- typically teach the Bible class um, every morning at eight. It's um, focused on the life of Jesus. We focus on the gospels. We're a Christ-centered program. So I try to really get that embedded. Um, that lasts about an hour and we have good Usually, good discussion. We always relate the lessons to um, the journey of addiction in terms of you know the guy's experiences and um, and the message of the gospel and that type of thing. Do you find that the residents? Uh, I'm guessing that you get um, people in your class who have a, a wide spectrum of exposure to mm-hmm. the scriptures. You have some who grew up probably every morning, every Sunday morning in the pew and know their Bible inside and out, and others that really have never heard anything. Right. Do you find that across the spectrum, people are connecting to that, uh, you know, seeing how this is speaking into their addiction? Yeah, I think it's really important. Um, And one of the things that I have spent most of my life focusing on and is really my passion is trying to connect the message with people wherever they are at. And um, and so this has been definitely a challenge, but it's been a great opportunity. And I think what I find generally is a lot of people who have been schooled in the Bible for a long time. need a fresh perspective. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so as basic as it may be at times, I think it's never 
too basic to be relevant to their lives and to the challenges that come um, for them. So I think it's been good. And I think one of the things I love is communicating with people who have very little, if any, biblical experience at all, because um, they tend to be open. They tend to be like sponges. Everything is a new adventure to them. Where some people have been around a while, they kind of know how that story ends. They know all that. I mean, I've, I've always enjoyed the classes where we're going through a very well-known story or something like the prodigal son. And then all of a sudden, you know, we turn the page. He went back home, you know, type of thing. So it's, it's uh, you know, it's an opportunity really to see that. And sometimes the people who have been in it a long time are refreshed by the newcomer that they get to journey with them and see their new experience, almost like seeing life through the eyes of a child, you know, as an, as a parent, how you get to kind of reconnect sure. with life that way. Yeah. So the, uh, the discovery of one's own faith is such an important part, even if you've grown up right. obviously in a religious home. And, uh, I, I've witnessed some of the guys who grew up in religious homes, not having their own faith and, and it, and this is such a great opportunity through those kind of classes and a lot of the other things that they're doing here to see there's something real about this man, Jesus, and mm -hmm. the good news he brought, and not just maybe, you know, something I had to do each week and to satisfy my parents and whatnot. And so that idea of it being fresh, it, it's very evident, even for the guys who've been in a religious setting for a long time. One of the great challenges I have is, um, that I find in my teaching and in the ministry here is, a lot of times the people who have been steeped in a long time have the hardest time mm -hmm. uh, because it's kind of become, they've become so hardened to it. It's kind of like they've developed calluses to those things. So they're not sensitive to it anymore. And um, sometimes seeing the sensitivity of others and seeing the response is good. And sometimes you have to um, get pretty radical to get their attention so they right. can begin to see things from a different vantage. And point. we all do that to a, to a degree, right? We kind of, well, we know that part of the Bible and we know how that thing works in God's kingdom and, it's hard to take a fresh perspective right. and sometimes we're building on maybe some partial truths or, you know, just uh, only halfway there and never kind of complete the journey. Mm -hmm. So a uh, good challenge for, for all of us. Uh, I know in the next section of classes is one that I teach in the 930 block with, I guess, life skills. Before mm -hmm. we talk about some of those, how did, how did the curriculum kind of evolve? Was, I mean, from day one back in 2007, did you, you know... <laughs> No, I mean, I can see the look on your face. Something in 2007, we were trying to figure out what do we do with these guys every day. So, um, yeah, um, we were just kind of trying to cobble something together whenever we could. So, um, it didn't take long for us to develop kind of the system. At least the morning was going to be class time, and so figuring out what those classes going to be and how we're going to do them was important. In a lot of cases, I was doing the majority of them. You know, I was teaching two of them that time or three of them because we have three every morning. So. But the structure is kind of, you know, the, first of all, the spiritual foundation, the exposure to Jesus, the 930 block, they get a class or an hour, then they get 30 minute break. Um, a lot of these guys are not used to being in educational environments. So the idea of sitting in a classroom for an hour is daunting itself. So giving them breaks and that kind of thing is important. So that, um, that 930 hour, um, we've always kind of focused on kind of a life skills type of thing. So I know you teach a class on communications and just really help guys learn how to communicate better their story, how to interact with people better, those type of things. Um, you know, we have um, a class called New Life Behavior that we do that kind of is a class that actually was designed for the prison system in Texas, but it's um, a whole um, long line of classes that are biblically founded dealing with family relationships and, 
and how your body works, mind and soul, and just a lot of things that kind of help build a better understanding of who they are and how they interact with people. Wednesdays, um, we have a class on something. I think it's biblical ethics. Oh, right. Looking right. at kind of uh, current events in, you know, with the Christ. Again, right. we're, we're trying to infuse the Christ right. culture into everything right. and, and processing through that. And then Thursdays, we get a counselor that comes in and kind of talks about counseling issues, whether it be anger and anxiety and those kind of things. And he comes from a biblical background too, but also um, teaches that. And then on Fridays, we have a class focused on career development. And we have somebody come in and talks about, you know, just look at basic looking for a job, work ethic, those type of things, and helps them kind of get a new perspective on that. So that's kind of that 930 block. We want to continue to expand that and really work to develop more life application type things so the guys develop better life skills. Yeah, one thing I've noticed is, again, I take for granted the kind of upbringing I had and the exposure I had to a lot of different resources and an education system and I see in, in so many of the residents here that they've never been exposed to a lot of things. Maybe, uh, you know, parents weren't around or weren't involved in their education to help, or, you know, they didn't have opportunities to ever, you know, see something uh, a little bit outside of just the, the core basic stuff. And and I, I really, as a teacher, I love seeing the ones, and, and, and it's a majority of them that are really enjoying, you know, kind of seeing what we have to offer and are latching on to these things. And I, and I hear this um, comment, you know, several times throughout the month, it seems like of, or just kind of, you know, meeting people I didn't, I never thought I could ever meet, you know, just, and again, people we take for granted that yeah. we have access to such, you know, quality people with good resources and a good training, good education. And that's just not a part of many of our guys' lives. Right. I mean, I think that's an important part of it too, is one of the things uh, I'm thankful for the volunteers and the various organizations we're connected to, because yeah, a lot of our guys um, have grew up in places where they didn't have those connections. And um, if they tried to make those connections, um, they were rebuffed in various ways because of, you know, their lifestyle or whatever. And so to be able to, you know, meet people who have, you know, life skills and success in areas and be able to feel like these people are not against me. They're for me. The system's not trying to press me down. It's trying to lift me up and we become a great avenue for them to access those resources um, is a real blessing. So I've heard um, our program director say many times it's easy for us. We feel it's easy for us to keep a guy clean while he's in the program. But really, the difficult part is what happens as he moves on. And it seems like without those kind of connections and without that network, walking out from here when you don't have the structure and all of the, the brotherhood that's pulling in the same direction, you've got you to gotta form that somehow in, in a new right. way and right. probably in ways they've never had before. Exactly. Yeah, so exactly. I know that's the big focus. And, uh, so then there's one more class at 11 right. o'clock. Yeah, 11 o'clock, we always have a class focused on just substance abuse recovery type things, relapse prevention, those kind of things. Um, our, and we have a counselor who's substance abuse counselor who teaches some of those. Um, our program director teaches a number of those with his background in um, addiction and recovery. And so, um, and we have guests who come in and speak at those times too. Some of our graduates do those classes, but it's just really a focus on, again, it's always biblically founded, but it's more focused on you know, specific substance abuse kind of issues and that type of thing. So we do that till noon. Um, then they get a break for a little bit for lunch and they are able to, they have, we have food in their houses that they live in. So they can go and fix themselves a sandwich or 
you know, that type of thing. Leftovers from right, our right. good dinner the night before right, right, or whatever. Exactly. Pretty much like we all do at home. <laughs> right, right. And then um, usually about one o'clock or so, um, they get involved in volunteer work. And so the first 30 days, they're either going to one of our thrift stores, one of our four thrift stores, or they're here on property or helping in the kitchen um, to, uh, you know, kind of give back. And I think that's, volunteering is a really important part of this process. Again, we're trying to break the cycle of addiction. So structure is a part of it, getting a structured life. I mean, it's amazing to me, by the way, that how many guys, you know, just have never lived in such a way that they actually thought about that there's a time to get up or that there's something I'm actually going to do in a day. It's like everything just kind of happens to them and they react to it. They don't plan for anything. They haven't plan- They haven't purposed anything in their life in, in a particular day or not trying to accomplish something in a week or anything like that. So this idea of structure is critically important and radical change for what most of them are accustomed to. And they're coming out of jail a lot of times. You know, all you do in jail is basically eat and sleep. And uh, so it takes them, I mean, some of them really struggle here initially, just even having the energy level because they, they haven't, you know, had to walk from their room to a classroom. You know, they haven't had to go anywhere. They're just sitting there still all the time. So it's a radical difference to have that kind of structure. So because we do have a number that comes straight from, from mm-hmm. jail, um, how do you, how do, how's the program kind of trying to not come off as being like another jail-like experience? Right. I know that's something that, we say from time to time is like we don't want this to feel like jail so can you speak to some of that well one they get to wear their own clothes Mm. so that's always nice Um, and one of the things that the thrift stores are always great about here is our new guys get the opportunity to shop in the thrift stores and kind of build their own wardrobe to kind of start this new life over again so that's a big part of it really and uh, and the relationships i think one of the things is the disarming nature of things that the fellowship that we have with each other mm-hmm. um we do you know obviously have time for free time for activities playing cornhole or lifting weights or you know playing cards and watching tv watching movie nights you know having stuff like that so those are all important part of developing a kind of normal life we also you know the guys go out to um to do some shopping periodically. We go to Walmart once a week. We go to the various closer convenience stores here for basic items. Mm-hmm. Um, it's always interesting talking to some of the guys who've been in jail a while. That's that's overwhelming to them. I mean, they go to a Walmart and they're just, they'll come back and they'll say, man, that scared me to death. I just wasn't used to being out in the public. I wasn't used, I felt like everyone was staring at me. They have all these different reactions initially. And then you know, over a few weeks, they start getting accustomed to it and you can kind of watch them kind of grow into this new found life outside of an institution like jail. So yeah, so even though there's a lot of structure here and their their day is fairly well planned, it's also not like boot camp right, sure. in any way. There's discipline. Um, there are write-ups in different levels for if you're late for class, that's a that's a level that's a, you know, a low level kind of thing. And there's more egregious right. uh, kinds of um, infractions. But those are all well spelled out, right? They know, and, and it's nothing that's just, oh, well, one of the staff members decided he's going to sure. be a jerk to this guy today. <laughs> it's well, what we, we try to yeah, avoid. we're very careful about that. We we have a handbook that every resident gets as soon as they walk through the door. They usually get kind of an initial orientation um, through our intake process that they kind of get familiarized with just the general structure. And then um, I personally meet with all the new guys once a week to go over and read over all the handbook and explain not just what the rules are, but why they are. Mm. 
um, what the consequences of violating them are, you know, but why these systems are in place and, and all the resources that are available to them to, to benefit from as well. So I try to sit down and explain that. And it also gives me an opportunity just to kind of get to know everyone personally, kind of hear their story a little bit. And they feel like they know me personally. And I think that's an important part of what we're trying to do too. This isn't, this is really more like a family than it is an institution. So I want to try to build that kind of relationship. Totally. So some of the things you've already pointed out is interesting. Uh, one of the special programs we have here called MRT uh, that I get a chance to facilitate from time to time uh, was developed through the prison system in Memphis State, as I, mm -hmm. the Memphis State prison system, um, or Memphis State University. And it's interesting that it, that was outside of a, a Christian kind of foundation. Right. And yet some of the same things that these psychologists are realizing are most important for career criminals or for um, addicts are, you know, delaying gratification, not always getting exactly what you want, uh, having structure and looking out for others. There's specific steps in there where you have to be doing right. things for other people right. and being conscious of that. And um, so it's good that psychology is caught up with uh, what seems to be very basic Christian kind of principles. Right. Yeah. One of the, you mentioned MRT, you know, one of the things that I was actually having a conversation with somebody yesterday about, about our program is that, you know, we're not, even, while we're a Christ Center program, um, we're not, we don't limit even our curriculum to only, you know, biblical Christian materials and that kind of thing. We use um, moral recognition therapy as one of our programs um, because it, you know, it supports the same values and all that kind of thing. It doesn't talk a lot about scripture or anything like that. And however, all the people who are teaching are Christians and they're inserting that perspective to it. And there is a lot of great material out there. A lot of um, organizations, Christian organizations particularly, kind of, kind of um, set, them size, set themselves up kind of um, oppositionally to the secular recovery programs, whether they be medical type programs or whether they be AA style programs. And I see no reason to do that, mm -hmm. you know, that we can benefit from all of that and work together and, and utilize all those resources in very positive ways. I've been interested that, of course, AA's roots um, come from a biblical framework. So that's, you know, that's an important connection to us. But even some of the um, more hospital-oriented type of programs are starting to create, they've even come to us and started creating, you know, faith-based, Christian-based aspects to their program because they see the success of those type of programs in recovery. Yeah, a, a community-based, comprehensive, trying to deal with a lot of different issues behind, besides just some you know, chemical imbalance right. that some right. people may approach. And right. then clearly that's got to be more effective in the long run than, than just, you know, here's a quick fix to get you uh, sober for right. a moment. Right. Um, so go back to volunteer in the mm -hmm. afternoon. And um, I know there's some pushback early on often from residents. Well, I'm not, well, you're making me do this. Right. So what's your response to that kind of well, um, yeah, volunteering is important. I, I try to emphasize a few things. One, most of the time they're volunteering at one of our thrift stores. Um, our thrift stores pay about 40% of the expense of any resident being in this program. So I try to remind them that, you know, they're, what they're paying um, here could be twice as much as it is. And that, you know, because of their small amount of volunteering, that helps you know, support their program. So one, being grateful for that, I think is important. Two, is that um, 
giving back is important. I mean, most guys walk through the doors, they're used to a lifestyle in which they're always get, 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 get. I'm asked the question all the time. And it's like, well, what am I going to get from that? What am I going to get out of that? Well, I believe you get a lot more from giving than you get from trying to go out and get. So um, giving and really changing that paradigm to being a somebody who has something to offer instead of somebody who's just looking for what can I get off of somebody else um, is an important part of the paradigm shift that we try to do. So volunteering is important for that reason. And the third one I always remind guys about is that, you know, in many cases, we're going to help them get jobs. And um, we're going to either know their, their employer or be put in a position where we have to refer somebody to an employer. And, you know, volunteering gives us a chance to see what their work ethic is like. And they're kind of, in a sense, auditioning for um, future positions that way. Yeah. And, and I know the work ethic spectrum is from none to, wow, I've got some great workers that have come through and for whatever reason, you know, they've lost a job and they need a new job, but well, not for whatever reason, because of their, their, their abuse got in the way. And, uh, and you can really, you can see it very, very clearly. And so, yeah, giving those opportunities and helping people grow in that. And we've seen some guys who maybe for the first time developed a work ethic and developed, right. uh, they got their first job because they have some, a stable platform mm -hmm. and a stability, uh, to work from, which is really, really good. So then, um, I know dinner here is pretty early and we have an incredible kitchen manager and cook. And I, I love watching the residents and typically it's the guys who've only been here for the first couple of days, right. helping her uh, fix the meal in the afternoon and getting probably skills they've never, they've never had, or maybe they have, they were lucky to, to have a, a home where they learned how to cook a little bit. Uh, but with that early dinner and then what's, what's going to be after dinner? Um, after dinner, um, we one, we run a bank. And so we, um, th because the way we operate, um, we want to, one of the big challenges with any addict is managing their money. One, teaching them how to manage it and two, holding them accountable for how they manage it. Because obviously, um, free, some, of the, some of the major enemies for a drug addict is money, freedom, um, women, and cell phones. <laughs> and we deal with all those. And so um, dealing with their money, we have our own banking system here. So their money is deposited into an account we have for them. And then they draw money off of that and they're held responsible for how they spend it by bringing in receipts and kind of proving that they've been responsible and a good steward of that money. It gives us a chance to help them think through their financial responsibilities. Um, gives them an, us an opportunity to kind of just ask the question, you know, okay, you're running short on funds. Is, is Are these the best expenditures in a given time? And just the very nature of the fact that ask for receipts forces them to become aware of the fact that they've had money go out from their wallet and they need to know what they've done with it. And so it's amazing how much that has helped them. You're our primary banker and I fill in for you from time to time. And it is always interesting to have that conversation with did it surprise you how much you spent in this? Right. It's like, yeah, I kind of did, you right. know, and seeing the number. And we're all bad about that if we're using a card swiping and it just goes out. And um, but it's what a great life skill to be to be teaching them. Right. And I know for some people they it's they, it's so successful for them. They've been. I know we have a couple of guys right now who've been gone for a year plus and still want to use us as their bank right. so that we can be a bit of a money management. Right. Them. Well, one of the things that we emphasize as they graduate is that they have to have a money management system in place in order to graduate. Mm -hmm. So whether it be a spouse, 
that's going to help them manage money, whether it's an aunt and uncle, whether, you know, whoever that is, in some cases they choose us to continue. Because, I mean, they look at it and say, hey, you know, why stop doing what's been working? And so a lot of them will just keep their money here, come in once a week, be a good checkup for them, that type of thing. So it's been a good accountability system for a lot of our and, graduates. you know, really, that's got to be a, a, a really humble thing to, to, to sign up for. Right. To say, you know, okay, I, I can't trust myself with my money right now yet. I don't feel comfortable with that. And I'm willing, especially if I think for a man and trying to provide and earning a paycheck, it's such a important thing about growing up and what we yeah. think we're, we're worth comes through that. And now I'm saying, I'm going to let Tom Reynolds, you know, be the, the first guy that I have to account for on that. But um, really changing some perspective for right. me. So I think that's important. Then um, we start classes, our evening classes start around 6.15 every um, evening, um, Monday through Friday. Um, I guess Sunday through Friday. So um, that's, in, I mean, that's a time now where everyone's coming together for class because the guys have come home from work. So it's everybody now. It's no longer just the first 30 day guys. Everybody's in class in the evenings. Um, we usually start with a little devotional to kind of kick off the time. A lot of times it's uh, maybe guys getting ready to graduate, sharing their testimony and using scripture as part of their testimony. Um, but anyway, we do that. And then we go to class usually about 630. Uh, the classes again vary. We, now we used to just be able to pull off, we could pull off one class every evening. We were really on top of things. Um, our program director's done a great job of developing a diversity of classes. And so typically any given evening, we at least have two options, if not three, um, that guys can go through. And the classes usually focus on one. We have a um, spiritual 12-step recovery program that we do. It's a book that we've been using for years that um, is founded, you know, kind of follows the 12 steps of AA, but with a very solid biblical um, ingraining. They, they read all through the week in it, they answer questions, and then they come to their group um, prepared to share their answers with the group and discuss their answers um, with each other. And so that's important part of our curriculum. Um, we also have um, MRT that we do, uh, that we've talked about already. And uh, we do financial peace, the Dave Ramsey material. Um, and we have um, other things that go on too. We have a study of the Gospel of John right now. We a lot of times being a biblical study. Sometimes we um, have small groups on um, sexual issues and those kind of things, learning how to manage your sexuality and, and from a biblical perspective again. Um, one of the things we just started recently that we've, we're really excited about is um, Wednesday nights now. We used to go out to other churches a lot, and we've kind of brought that in-house. And, uh, and That was have, kind of forced a little bit with the coronavirus, and right, right. it was a good time. We've been thinking about it, but a good time to, well, we're going to be here and nowhere to go, right. so let's figure out something to so do. So we brought in kind of this, um, what we call table talk, and it's kind of an opportunity to get in small groups of four or five guys. Um, a topic is presented that evening, usually with a short video and some scriptures, and then they get a, a list of questions to discuss in their group. And there seems to be a lot of energy around that. Mm -hmm. um, they usually have dessert and coffee, which are always popular. And uh, it's, become, it's become very successful and very popular. We look forward to more churches getting involved with that program in the future. I've heard some comments to that way of doing our kind of an assembly, if you use that term. But this feels like church. It's like, well, that's exactly right. what church should be as a community coming together and talking together and pulling in the same direction. Right, right, exactly. Yeah. And uh, we have anger management classes we do on Sunday, I mean, on Friday nights. We have 
Um, we've typically gone out to various recovery meetings, either AA meetings, celebrate recovery meetings, or those type of things, so they can help network the recovery outside of our walls. Fortunately, with the coronavirus and stuff, we haven't been able to get out. We've been having inside AA meetings and speakers and various things like that coming in, so we do that on Fridays. Um, Saturday is kind of a free day. Um, um, once a month, we do kind of a big cleanup day, and so the guys stay on property, but they take passes. So they, after they're outside their 30 days, they're able to take passes and interact with their family, some on Saturdays, um, to get laundry done, homework caught up, um, that kind of thing. So there is a fair, fair bit of homework. I want to touch on that. Mm -hmm. You've mentioned the 12-step spiritual journey, MRT, uh, new life behavior, and then there are, on top of those coursework that all have workbooks, I know there are Bible tests and readings and um, so free time, even when there's free time, that typically there's work to be done and really instilling a discipline to make progress uh, throughout the program. Otherwise, uh, you're going to be denied some phase up where, you know, if you don't phase up, then you don't get that next set of privileges and passes and whatnot. Right. Yeah, I think it, it is part of that structure again is the opportunity that guys have, that they have the responsibility of homework. We're not sitting down and making them do it right now, do it right then. They have to find those times. They have to find those windows. And I've had a lot of conversations because guys aren't used to that. They're not, maybe they didn't do any homework when they were in, in school or they may not have got very far in school. We have a lot of guys, you know, who didn't get any further into eighth grade and that type of thing. Um, so, um, you know, learning how to study again or, you know, setting aside time to read a book or work through material, those kind of things are unique situations for them. And... And sometimes they create study groups, which is good, where they can kind of help each other. Um, we do a lot of tutoring where a lot of the older guys or more experienced guys. Um, we've had numerous people go through our program who are um, marginally literate or even almost illiterate. And um, they've completed the program with all that work and all that reading and stuff like that simply because um, brothers come alongside of them, read to them, talk to them about what the answers are, help them write down their answers. Um, and you know, no one's ever failed here because of literacy issues. There's always help and there's always encouragement. And that's been a big part of the fellowship too, and giving back. Yeah. And what a big benefit it is to the one that's doing the mentoring right. to see this, uh, this chance to give of themselves. There's no bonus points in right. their progress right. in the program by helping someone else. Right. Uh, but by doing that, they're going to, they're going to see the blessing, what you said earlier, that it's better to give and uh, give them a new perspective about maybe how life can look going forward that might not have been what they thought of coming in. Right. Um, so I know TV is limited only during certain times and uh, we have computers on site, but they, they're not accessible anytime. They're used for job hunting uh, pretty much exclusively unless uh, someone's maybe doing some schoolwork because we do have some guys doing schoolwork. And so I guess maybe speak to you know, what just the entire kind of culture of, you know, there are things you got to get done and you don't just have the time at your, your discretion to do whatever you want, whenever you want. Right. Yeah. Um, there's no access to the TVs till, um, till dinner time and after. Um, and then, of course, they have classes in the evenings as well. And then they have chores after that. So um, as soon as they got a class, they have to hit their chores. And usually that takes 15 to 30 minutes, depending upon their chore responsibility. So most of these guys aren't really free to do their own thing till probably closer to 8 o'clock um, every evening. Um, and our curfew is 10.30 during weeknights. So that's not a lot of time, you know, in the evenings. And a lot of the guys who work early 
will even go to be going to bed at nine o'clock, so they don't have a diminished amount of time. But one of the things we have, we do have TVs. Every house has a TV. Um, I think that's important. We don't have TVs in your room. We have TVs in the, in the common area. Um, that one builds fellowship because mm -hmm. you can't just watch TV in an isolated way. You have to interact with other people to do it, and you have to negotiate what's going to be on that TV. Right. And those are important parts of life skills. I've told guys over and over again, if you can learn to live with 30, 40 guys for six months, you're going to learn most of the coping skills you need to, to be successful in life. Mm -hmm. Just learning to navigate those kind of challenges of, you know, what are we watching TV? And after this guy gets to watch his program, what, you know, maybe we'll watch that guy's program and different things like that, being able to navigate those kind of things and learn to accommodate each other. And, and that type of thing is an important part of the process. Um, and the guys have free time as well in the evenings. I know um, John, I think, mentioned um, that, uh, you know, he goes to a Bible study on Monday night that it's not something we have orchestrated, it's something residents orchestrate. And I think that's important. We try to leave sometimes. In fact, I always tell them in orientation that there's time set aside between eight and nine that can be time used for study groups or for Bible study groups or prayer groups or things like that so that it gives them some opportunity to express their own faith, to take their own initiative and do their own things besides the structured things that our program requires. Yeah, and I, and for the, for the first 30-day guys who are on campus, not going to the thrift store in the afternoon, you know, that are helping out in the kitchen and campus, that's not going to be a full four hours or whatever right. before supper. And, you know, they get time to, to work on their work, but uh, they're still not just doing whatever they want to do and right. it's structured. And uh, I see a lot of good things happening in that part of the building when the guys are working or they're helping each other and talking, like you said, learning really maybe new skills for, for group interaction that they haven't had in a long time. Well, um, Anything else about the, the well, end of the day? I was, yeah. was going to just mention one other thing you mentioned about helping out in the kitchen. Mm. Since this program started, even when we were doing, starting with just one little house and one little you know, family kitchen, um, the newest guys were always responsible in the kitchen um, for a couple of reasons. One, obviously, they're not working, so they're here all day, so they can contribute in a better way to it. Um, but two... Um, the kitchen is the one place that every resident's going to interact with every day, mm -hmm. um, particularly these guys. So um, it gives it gives it makes sure that every new guy is forced, in a sense, to interact with and not isolate. Interact with every resident here, get to know them by name, interact with them, that kind of thing. So it's really kind of an important part of the socialization mm -hmm. process to make sure that they are involved. In the kitchen, serving food, helping prepare food, cleaning up the kitchen, being engaged at that location because that's one that every resident's going to visit, every resident's going to be a part of, and they get to have those interactions. So it really keeps down the the. Um, potential for isolation and feeling alienated and those kind of things, usually that quickly gets resolved in that kitchen. Yeah, and that seems like a pretty easy sell, if you will, to a new guy. It's like helping in the kitchen. Oh, yeah, we're going to eat. He's going to get to eat that food, right. you know, versus maybe some of the other things that they're going to end up doing. It's like, oh, I'm not really sure about this. And how is this helpful? And some a little more explanation. It's like, yeah, man, food, you know, right. and the kind of the food's good here. Right. And getting this, again, watching Deborah help them help her get processes We're actually she's so good with the residents and i that's one i think really underrated thing that happens in the kitchen is she brings this 
maternal, you know, love that uh, maybe the rest of the staff don't always, aren't always able to show. It's not our nature to do that. And it really works out really well. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, uh, Tom, thanks for sharing with us. And, um, you know, there's a lot that we could cover clearly. And we'll continue over the course of the coming weeks to look into different aspects of what's going on here. All right. Well, thanks, if, if you have any um, information you'd like to know about the program, please visit our website at hiswayinc.org. Mm-hmm.